wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you again. This week we're looking at the relevance of Ten Commandments in a post-biblical world. The big question for today, why does God command rest? Today our co-host is Eric Horan. Eric's the part-time Bible pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. Welcome to you, Eric. Oh, good to see you again, Gary. I mean, it's... uh it seems just so briefly I saw you last time. Indeed, yeah. indeed. Um, tell us, Eric, um, you've just passed through, I understand, a significant weather event out of you. You were telling me just a little bit about some fun that you had over this last weekend. Yeah, yeah, it was on the news, would you believe, at Channel uh, 7 and Channel 9. Yeah, I was uh, visiting my son in Craigmore uh, on uh, Sabbath on Saturday, and it was about 5 o'clock, and I was about ready to go, and we looked outside, and a strong wind came up, and it got stronger and stronger stronger and stronger and some of the branches started breaking off the gum trees and these were big branches falling off and blowing down the road this actually made it onto the local news around here didn't it it did yeah and uh yeah it was all over in about i don't know must have been a minute or two and i went outside and uh, the neighbor from uh, my son's place came out uh came through the gate he had a big uh tin uh, fence there and he opened it up and there his car he had a nice car parked in the in the driveway there and there was a big branch had flattened the roof actually stoved it right in and his back window was all broken wow. he said you guys are right and he said yeah he said wow look at that you know and i just parked my car under the, a couple of trees and i've got a i've just bought a car recently and i went out in that wind and moved it because i could see it, and a branch came down where my car was so i was wow. I, i'm glad i took the risk and went out into the yeah window. yeah yeah <laughs> well i hope your son's insured there uh, well, well and truly yeah. It's a- yeah and then the next day you wouldn't believe it gary but on the sunday there was a fire up at the back of our of our place at one tree hill moving towards uh, Craigmore Road and they had the uh, light planes flying over and and uh, oh there, there was an uncontrolled bushfire apparently and uh, so we've had a few events this week. You it's haven't been, been, you've been doing something wrong lately Eric, <laughs> you know who are One you? extreme to the other. I, I, I do want to actually uh, apologise to you Eric I mean oh. I'm really conscious that I, I have made a major error all this entire year this year I've been announcing you as the recently retired pastor in fact you actually only scale down your uh, your work and you're actually the part-time pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church and that when I realised that I thought what a major faux pas you know how could a person do this uh, to you um, really sorry about that tell us what is a part how does a part person do ministry part-time yeah well it's more than part-time isn't it you know <laughs> I mean ministries in your blood but uh, it's basically the conference employs me two days a week it kind of stretches out from that but so what I do is we have our Bible study time on a Wednesday uh, and then we go and I go and collect food on a, on a Thursday and I spend the day dropping off food to people, visiting them and talking to them. Uh, and then uh, every fortnight we have a craft group down at uh, Salisbury Council. They're very kind enough to provide speakers and provide mm. a room for mm. us there. And then we we organise church and uh, on the Saturday and, and we, pick, we pick all these people up. We have two 
two vans, uh, Pastor yeah. David yeah. Fletcher uh, looks after the people um, down south and I look after the ones up north. So it really keeps – I love it. I love working yeah. amongst them. Yeah. But that's all right, Gary. I'm still on the workforce. You are indeed. Now, it, it is wonderful to still have you on board. And I, I wish you had corrected me just a little bit a little bit earlier. But oh, I thought uh, I'd let it run and see how long it went. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Until what my uptake is like, it can't you? You know, one of the, I think it's a real privilege to be uh, ministering. I've ministered a little bit to our indigenous uh, uh, folk, and do you know there's a depth of spirituality amongst so many of our indigenous folk that you actually don't get amongst a, uh, a lot of the Caucasian population. And, and to me, I have just seen a, a depth of spirituality. Uh, people who understand uh, when you're talking spiritual things, and to me, I, I think that's a real privilege. And I, I'd like to say a really big Hello to you know those of our indigenous population that listen to us out in Central Australia because I know there's a uh, there's a fair number out there that do actually listen uh, to us. There's not a lot of choice on radio stations, but Faith FM uh, it does actually make it out there. So I, I really want to say a big shout out to uh, uh, to each of those, yeah, those I'd like individuals. To say a big hello to them as well, and uh, God bless you all, and uh, keep studying and keep growing. And emphasise that you are not actually retired. Uh, uh, retired. You're actually part time. Which means that if they want you to come out and visit them, um, you're more than happy to go and visit them. That's yeah. a, that's correct, isn't it, Eric? Yeah, we will. Yeah. Now I've constructed, got work uh, for you uh, <laughs> online. Now I'm in trouble again. Um, okay, what's some some news um, items from world religious news uh, uh, news wise? Um, I picked up uh, a couple of items that really uh, jumped out at me. Uh, one came from the uh, religion news service that was uh, entitled "Episcopal Church Will Be Dead." Episcopal, of course, is is the American name for the Church of England. Episcopal Church will be dead in America in 20 years, researcher says. Uh, if denomination continues, it's dire decline. This is what the article said. The Episcopal Church might soon cease to exist, according to those who describe the denomination's future as bleak based on plummeting membership numbers. Attendance and membership numbers at churches within the mainline Protestant denomination have dropped significantly over the last Last decade, having lost one quarter of worship attendees. In 1966, when the church was said to be at its peak in the United States, approximately 3.6 million Americans identified as Episcopalian. The Episcopalian Church's Office of General, Con- General Convention reported in 2018 that membership of the denomination had dropped to 1.6 million, a loss of about 2 million adherents. Regular worship attendance and Episcopal churches in 2009 was approximately 724,000. By 2019, it was 579,000 on an average Sunday, nearly a 25% drop over a decade. The overall picture is dire, says the Reverend uh, Dwight Zirkli an Episcopal priest and professor, according to church leaders. Uh, not one... Uh, Not one of the decline as much as a demise within the next generation uh, unless trends change significantly. He said that at this rate, there'll be no one in worship around 2050 in the entire denomination. Although offering pledges, he said, have risen, 
the fact that fewer people are giving more money is not a sustainable trend over the long term. Now, of course, someone had to ask, you know, I mean, uh, on the the, the age, um, uh, the demographics of this particular study, the modal age of the Episcopalian Church in in America in 2019 was 69. Now, that's a that's a getting on to being an, an advanced uh, an advanced aid. Birch uh, estimates one of the researchers uh, that by 2040 the denomination's membership could fall to 0.7 percent. Uh, 0.7% of the US population, half of its current size. Only 14% of all Episcopalians report being parents of children younger than 18, the lowest of all religious traditions. And then, then you get, you know, why has this occurred? And the, and the, uh, the study attempts to dig into why this has occurred. The Episcopal Church has been hollowed out largely by secularization in regions where liberal religious traditions have long been visible such as in the northeast and on the on the west coast another reason that the decline has been so deep has been the denomination's progressive theological direction particularly pertaining to marriage and sexual ethics the 2003 consecration of openly gay Bishop Jean Robinson was a touchpoint in the denomination's history in that many theologically conservative congregations left in protest and formed Anglican churches under a new ecclesiastical structure with dioceses based on that more conservative theological orientation. You know, to me, this this to me is really significant. Eric, what do you think? Do you think theology impacts the growth or decline of churches? Well, Gary, you know, uh, with um, with theology, uh, you know, what is the truth? If you don't have a basis for truth taken from the scriptures, well, where do you stand? And if you haven't got um, a strong foundation there, then uh, people will um, come and go. You know, I can think of times uh, when I was studying the Bible and, and learnt some of these truths, these uh, uh, denomination uh, truths that came from the Bible that Jesus was teaching, and that stood me in great stead. It changed my life. But if you have a shifting of accepting what the world wants yeah. to try and make it more yeah. popular, you'll actually lose those who who really are interested in spiritual things. To try and make something popular, to try and bring in more people and not stand on the Word of God is very dangerous and can lead to a drawing away of those who who, who once belie- you know, who, who stand for belief and find that the, the church doesn't stand for that anymore because the church are the people. Yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate, I appreciate what you're saying there because I'm so conscious that, you know, it is a, a very common thing to, to say, hey, look, you know, I mean, um, that theology, Really doesn't matter that that much, but I'm so conscious that theology actually uh, is almost the the undergirding foundation. What I believe often impacts exactly what I do, mm. and it, there, there seems to be a belief finally works its way out in action. And to me, I, I believe. The two are actually very closely linked uh, together. You know, I, I'm really interested that um, the. The um, conclusions of this study actually said, hey, um, there is a seems to be a link with those congregations that have moved into a more progressive 
a theological form. You know, I just uh, another um, item that came on the religious uh, uh, from the religious news service uh, today uh, was actually entitled, um, uh, and it's along a similar theme: Progressive United Methodists announced new denomination. It's called the Liberation Methodist Connection. And uh, this has only just been formed. Now, you know, in a day when there's a great deal of talk about, you know, unification of churches, uh, to actually have this uh, uh, a new denomination being announced, I, I found to be a, a really interesting uh, dynamic. This is what the article says. And this you can pick this up. You just go to the Religion News Service, and uh, that art, this article is on... Uh, it's entitled Progressive United Methodist Announce New Denomination uh, and it's called the, Meth- the Liberal Methodist Connection and uh, you can pick it up on that, uh, that website but this is what it says uh, a group of Progressive United Methodists announced on Sunday November 29 that's this most recent Sunday that they're forming a new Methodist denomination the Liberal Methodist Connection or LMX for half a century the United Methodist Church has debated the full inclusion of it its LGBTQ members. It pushed any discussion of sexuality from its quadrennial general conference meeting in 2016 to a special session in 2019 where delegates voted against allowing the church to ordain LGBTQ clergy or perform same-sex marriages. The new plan a new plan has been proposed since then to split the denomination according to beliefs on LGBTQ ordination and same-sex marriage. The split was to be decided upon at the 2020 General Conference, but due to COVID-19 shutdowns, the conference was cancelled and the decision postponed until next fall at the at the earliest. Some United Methodists have simply grown tired of waiting. Now, uh, on their their new website, this is uh, this um, uh, is what they say. Uh, the theology of this new denomination is not written in stone. The website said, but it builds on Methodist theology with various expressions of liberation theologies, which were first developed by the Latin American Roman Catholics in the fifties and the sixties. And then they say this: correct doctrine is less important to the new denomination than correct action. Now, that to me is a very significant statement. Correct doctrine is less important to the new denomination than correct action. Eric, tell me, do you think you can have one without the other? No. When I read this, you know, when you said uh, its theology is not written in stone, I thought immediately of the Ten Commandments written in stone, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then I thought, too, of the sifting sand. If you don't have um, some some belief in, in a solid piece coming from the Bible, what have you got? You've got shifting sand. So to me, um, you've got a what you believe you take from – see, what led me to the church I go to now, Gary, came the Bible led me to the church. Yeah. That's the way I found the church was through yeah, the Bible. Yeah, yeah. And some people just come to a church and they don't know what, what's involved in the church, what's what's the, the theology, what's the teachings. Yeah. And the teachings have to be of Christ. Yeah. But if you've got here where, you know, they are saying that correct doctrine is less important, that's dangerous ground. Yeah. Because yeah. Jesus brought doctrine to them, you know, he he, he fulfilled the, the life of Christ. And so therefore I think it's dangerous ground what we're talking about here. And all you're gonna see is a weakening of the Christian faith, which has been taking place for a long time now. But this here is just 
put down in words it's practice here yeah yeah in, in other words what we're saying here is that it's actually a both and not an either or uh, in other words within our our understanding of scripture our understanding of theology uh, you need to have one because it informs the other mm. um, you know what is correct action unless it is informed by a correct understanding of the scriptures because you know i'm so conscious that i i really my understanding is so limited i actually need the uh, i need the revelation of uh, of jesus christ i need the revelation of scripture in order to be able to show me what is actually right and wrong because i don't think eric i'm actually clever enough to be able to sort out what is right and wrong without having a some some external source to be able to help me and you know to me I, I find this that's where I find the scriptures are just so powerful because what you've got is a divinely uh, ordained medium uh, that has been given by God through his Holy Spirit and through that he's been able to I believe impact both the heart and the mind mm. of the individual well, does this said, make sense? Yeah you said that didn't he he's come to change your heart and mind put the law in our hearts and minds but the thing is Gary is that with our actions what we do is determined by how we're thinking and we've got to have our thinking straight for our actions to be correct you're right yeah, on that yeah. so if we can study the Bible and we keep learning we keep growing in that area and therefore our actions we come closer and closer to God and our relationship with him because we understand it more but when you haven't got a central point if you don't draw your line first well where are you going to how are you going to make a stand how are you going to know truth from error and that's the problem you can't shift uh, your the, the doctrines away from what the Bible says the Bible stands is solid ground. In other words, it's, this is a both and, and to me, the huge error that's actually being made here is that in saying correct doctrine is less important to the new denomination than correct action, that assumes that the correct action is able to be determined from the individual's mind. And to me, I look at this and I, and I say, hey, we're on very dangerous ground at and, that particular yeah. point. And why are they saying that? Is that because um, they're seeing this falling away of, of, of people and, and trying to bring in acceptance of those who are doing a different lifestyle, trying to bring them into the fold? Yeah. No, I, this, I don't think that's the way to go. I think, you know, you, you've got to stand on the word of God. Jesus is coming soon and he's waiting for a faithful people who are keeping the commandments and, and show the love of Jesus. And you can show a love of Jesus to people of, of all different personalities or whatever through his, through him, but not the way the world wants it to be, you know, mm-hmm. as an acceptance. And that's, that's the problem here, trying to get more people in. By, by belittling the truths that we know from the Bible, what the Bible says, that is very dangerous ground. Yeah. Mm. Eric, let's come to some, uh, uh, some music. This is Wendell Kimborough. I shall not be shaken. For God alone. I wait in silence My soul is still Before the Lord He is my rock And my salvation My fortress strong I'll trust in 
in Him. I'll not be shaken. I'll not be shaken. For all my hope is in His love. From God alone comes my salvation. I'll wait and trust His steadfast love. shall not be not be shaken we have a fantastic book for you today uh danny shelton 10 commandments twice removed this uh, this is a book that people have literally raved about uh this is a book that uh people have 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 been in awe at some of the things danny has actually actually shared it talks about the 10 commandments it talks about the relevance of the 10 commandments for the day and age in which we live Uh, most people don't realize how relevant uh they they are the 10 commandments twice removed if you'd like a copy of this particular uh, book, uh, then just uh, write in Ten Commandments book uh, and text uh, your name and your address to o four three eight zero double six six three five. That's just text Ten Commandments uh, book and uh, send it to uh, um, your name and your address to 
0438 066635 and we'll have uh, have that book uh, on its uh, on its way to you. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Eric Hoare and Eric's the part-time pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. This week we're looking at the relevance of 10 commandments in a post-Christian world. And the big question for today, why does God command rest? How relevant is that? It was um, uh, it was back in the uh, reign of uh, of Queen Victoria. There was a British member of Parliament who was a Christian. He was committed to defending those who were victims of society. He found himself grieved by the heavy loss of life amongst British merchant seamen, often a thousand deaths a year caused largely by greedy owners overloading their vessels to the point where they easily sank. He knew that a simple invention could solve the whole thing. If it were made compulsory, it could do it could prevent these coffin ships from sailing, and so for ten long years he battled in the Houses of Parliament for a law, such a simple law, to be passed. He eventually won in 1876. His name was Samuel Plimsoll. And the invention couldn't have been more simpler. An official, very visible and permanent mark would be put on the side of every ship, uh, indicating the maximum load that the ship could carry. If the mark, it later became known as the Plimsoll line, disappeared below the surface of the water the ship was illegally it was illegally loaded and it must not sail because these were the days when Britannia ruled the waves the Plimsoll line became to be used universally and thanks to its existence an unaccountable number of lives have been saved. What a simple invention. It took 10 years to get through Parliament, uh, the line that's painted on the side of ship after ship today. And then uh, our author goes on uh, to, to say this, the Ten Commandments do exactly the same thing. They are so relevant. If you like, they are the plimsoll line for our existence. If we ignore them or let them sink below the waves of life, then being drowned or shipwrecked, becomes much more likely. Do you know, I thought that was a very powerful little story that just yeah. talked about the, the relevance, the significance of these Ten Commandments for the day and age, you know, the relevance for the day and age in which we live. You know, Eric, look, t- take us to this. You know, we're looking today at the, the third and the fourth uh, commandments. Yesterday we looked at number two. We're asking the question, are these commandments, are they really relevant in the day and age in which we're living? What's your what's your understanding? Well, the third and fourth commandment, the third one, of course, is from Exodus 27, and it reads, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, Pastor Gary, when you read that, what automatically comes to your mind, taking the Lord's name in vain? Well, most people would actually say, hey, you know, I mean, blaspheming the name of name yeah. of God. That's been certainly the traditional interpretation. Yeah, and... And um, to be quite honest, when I was out in the world, I did. I, I took the Lord's name in vain all the time. I worked with um, in a, a printing press in New Zealand in Christchurch, the Christchurch Star, and uh, everybody swore. 
and um, yeah, I, I did the same yeah. uh, without even thinking about it. Yeah. It's funny. I thought afterwards, you know, when I became a Christian, why on earth was I doing that? When people don't believe, that's in what Jesus people Christ. just do, isn't it? Yes, and but they don't believe in Jesus, but yet they still use his name. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, ultimately, when they're angry, and yet they don't say, um, "Oh, Buddha or Muhammad." Say they, it's actually Jesus that, yeah. that is yeah. attacked. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. So that is the most obvious way is a, a curse, cuss word. You know, and when I I found Christ, I found that through His power that I was able to stop almost immediately. Just yeah. move completely away from that. And it's often it's hard when you've been doing something for, you know, seven or eight years to suddenly stop. Yeah. But it can happen, and, and, and that's what happened. But there is another thing here, a deeper meaning to this, uh-huh. uh, which I found interesting. And it's actually found in Leviticus 19.12. It says, You shall not swear by my name falsely, neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. In the kingdom of God, no eternal external act or profession is distinct from the thought of the heart can find a place. But such is the words of those apostles, the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed evermore, knoweth that I lie not. So what it's saying here is, you shall not swear by my name falsely, neither shalt they profound the name of thy God. Back in those days in Judaism, uh, any act that caused God to come in disrespect was actually profaning. Yeah. So it was actually like taking an oath and saying that I stand on this and you don't do it, but you're actually standing in the name of God as Christians. Mm. So that's the deeper meaning of this. I think that's actually a very important point there, Eric, because as as believers, we actually take on ourselves the name Christian. Yes. And, you know, when we're calling ourselves Christian, to me, I, I certainly accept that, you know, this passage is, is, I believe it's certainly correctly interpreted when it talks about, you know, blaspheming the name of, name mm. of Christ. I think that's an important thing that mm. we need to pick up on. But, mm. you know, more important still is this concept of people, many believers take on themselves the name of Christian, mm. and yet the commandment says, don't take on yourself the name of the holy name of Christ in vain. Uh, in other words, to me what this is saying is that if in fact you're going to claim to be a Christian, you're actually called upon by God to actually back it up by how you actually perform in your day-to-day living. That's right. And, you know, back then they, they understood that. They understood that it had this deeper meaning. Yeah. Uh, they thought that if you broke a commandment of that, that you were actually dishonoring God. Mm-hmm. That's what it was mm-hmm. talking about. And, in fact, it says in Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. Yeah. Which is yeah. so powerful because what's in a name, you know, it's God's authority. Yeah. So we actually have his authority. So, uh, But it's also, I think, too, goes deep in that again because I think it also means that if you're in a, in a place of leadership or a position in a church and you disrespect or use that for your own gain, mm. uh, that is then, once again, profaning the name of the Lord. It's, it's uh, letting him down. And this is so relevant for us today, isn't it? Because Mm. what it means is that once a person has um, taken on themselves the name of Christ, Mm. what it's saying is we want you to be genuine in taking on that particular name. Now, you know, that impacts or it should impact every aspect of an individual's life. It impacts how they uh, they function in their relationships with others. It impacts how they um, impact their, their business dealings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what we've actually got here is, to me, 
if in fact that commandment is still applicable today, and I believe it is, this is hugely relevant for the day and age in which we're actually living. Yes, it's it's saying, you know, don't take my name lightly. If you really believe, then, you know, the way you treat others, the way you show, will be shown through yeah, your belief. First yeah. Timothy 6, one says, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honour, that the name of God and his doctrine be not... Blaspheme. So there's the word doctrine comes of this, which is yeah, God's yeah, yeah. teachings. Yeah. So this is saying here then that this sort of becomes part of our life, that when we take it on, well, I mean, we're all sinners, aren't we? Yeah. We're all sinners and we're going to fall yeah. and, and, you know, we get up again. But what it's saying here is, is that have a genuine a love for Christ that you don't misuse his name. Yeah, uh, yeah, and sometimes you know, in authority, you can you can do that. You know, yeah. you can let God down by uh, gaining trust of people, yeah. and then you let them down. And I think that's why in the in the in the Christian world we see a falling away from what we've been talking about through the churches because people look and they see um, this uh, contradiction of uh, beliefs that we're, we're saying one thing, Christians, and then the and it's called hypocrisy, away. isn't it? You know, it individuals in the community will turn around, and I mean, you see. A Certainly, I mean, the media pick up the the issue of you know child sexual abuse whenever mm. that uh, that comes, and you know certainly it impacts Christian churches as much as it impacts other organisations in the community, mm. and uh, and what we find there is that uh, when it impacts the Christian church, it, there's almost a double double negative here because those those churches have been teaching to have got teachings that should lift them above these things. Mm-hmm. The community looks and beholds and says, ha, huh, here is hypocrisy within the church. Mm-hmm. And you know, so you've got not just the uh, the, the sin, because that's what it is, mm-hmm. of um, um of sexual immorality and impropriety and um you know these these criminal acts, but you've also got um, it coming from individuals who have preached and taught differently. Mm. Um, so, yeah, look, what a difference. You know, how relevant is this teaching for today? But look, mm. our time's getting away from us. What about this um, this, uh, this other um, commandment? Because we're looking at the fourth one as well. I mean, uh, you know, a Sabbath commandment, you know, remember yep. the Sabbath day mm. to keep it holy. Is that really that relevant today? Well, the Bible says quite a bit about the Sabbath day, uh, and you're quoting, of course, Exodus 28 to 11, where it says, Remember the whole day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to your Lord your God, and on it you shall do no work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the soldier who is within your gates, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And of course, people back then, uh, Pastor Gary, they knew when it said remember. I've always thought that remember says, oh, this is going to be under attack and it could be lost. But as I've studied it more, it's actually telling the people, look, you know this. Yeah, you know this commandment. This is act- isn't actually where this yeah. commandment it was yeah. given. Yeah. You know, it was given way back, wasn't it, in Genesis two two? Yeah, when it yeah. talked about the creation, and here it's talking about a special rest. 
And the question came to mind, um, and uh, when I researched this and looked at this, it says, why, why on earth would God rest? And, you know, I've had so many people talk about this. Why would God rest when he, he really didn't need to rest? Mm-hmm. You know, he, he just created. He did a lot in those six days, um, you know, flat out created all these things and miracles. So why? Why would he rest? And what do you think, Pastor Gary? I'm going to throw this Oh, up. yeah, look, I, I think that's probably a really key question that many people actually have never asked, never even thought of the answer answer to it because what I'm conscious of is that the seventh day of the week was of course Adam and Eve's first day of existence Mm -hmm. and what God I believe is actually saying here is hey I'm not resting you're not resting because you're tired because you've done they've actually done nothing Mm. they've absolutely done they've only been created a matter of hours before but what God's saying here is hey I want you you to have a time to have relationship with me And I want to have time when you can have relationship with each other. Mm. Do you know, what we've got here is a God who is creating opportunity for relationship. I mean, what do you actually give as a gift to somebody who has got everything? I mean, think of Adam and Eve. There's nobody else in the entire world. Mm. They actually own the entire world. I mean, the guys that are even super rich billionaires have got nothing on what this pair of... They own every diamond, every gold mine. The the whole planet belongs to them. Mm. Um, And what does God actually give them as a gift? His gift is he says, hey, I want to have relationship with you and I want you to have relation and I want you to... You know, Eric, mm. this is so relevant, I think, for the day and age in which we're living today. And you're right. You know, what you've said is completely right, that the fact that, of course, God wasn't tired. Uh, the fact is that the uh, Hebrew word uh, for um, the Sabbath is Shabbat, mm. which actually means, means not tiredness or anything. It actually means to cease. To stop. Okay. That's what it actually means, okay. just to stop. So you're right. It's, it was a fact that um, he wanted to have a relationship with them. So he ceased from what he was creating on those other days. He had created good and his work was finished. So what it's saying is that God's rest is not talking about us uh, stopping work. It's actually talking about not being reinvigorated after work either. It's just saying that he ceased from doing. So what it means then is that he has left us an example. He didn't need to rest. So he gave us the six days of creation and he said, look, it is good for man to stop from what he was doing on those other six days, mm. we would call it rest. But what he's saying is we, we cease from our work there. But what we actually do is we learn more about Christ. We actually spend that day. And, and, and if you look at the day of rest now, do people spend the day? I mean, you know, I used to go to a Sunday church where I'd go for an hour. I'd go mm. home and get back in the garden or go to the mm. footy and all that. Mm. So I'm back into the, the things of the other six days I'll be doing anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So what he's talking about here is having a complete break from all those things. And I, I, I love what's out. actually uh, the way that what we've got here is a God who is wanting us to have a rest. You know, here we've got a God who is commanding mm. Rest. Uh, you know, I've actually had some people say to me from uh, uh, from time to time they've um, uh, they've said, "Hey, you know, it's a it's a very legalistic thing uh, to be uh, keeping a Sabbath." And my response to them was, "Hey, you know, to me, um, you know, even if I was not a member of my own my own denomination here, I think I'd still keep 
a Sabbath day because it is such an amazing and a wonderful blessing. God is saying to me, he's saying, I want you to have a day off. You know, mm. we live in a world now where people are on a treadmill. Mm. Uh, you know, this is, this is horrific when we look at the treadmill, when we look at the burnout, the problems that I'm sensing in our, in our society. You know, there are people who have actually enjoyed the, the COVID because it's actually forced them to stop mm. and stay at home. Yep. And, uh, you know, as I, as I look at this, I just simply say, what a wonderful God we serve who's yeah. turned around and who said, hey, I command you to have a day off. And do you know, in the Old Testament, when you actually look at the commandment, that commandment actually goes for the employer, but it also look, it cares for the servant. Mm. He actually says to the, to the slave owners mm. in the Old Testament, you are to give your servants, your slaves, you're to give them a day off every week. And what's more, that um, that horse, the donkey that you've got working in your pit, you go and put him in the paddock too, and let him have a day off as well. And even the land. And the land, you know. You know, to me, you know, this is such a gracious God that we're serving because He's. Do we need this today? Oh, we need this today. I think this is powerful. And I think this rest you're talking about isn't just a physical um, rest; it's actually a rest of the mind as well. Yeah. Because the pattern of today is, you know, so busy shopping, whatever you're doing, that's occupying your mind. But when you have a day of rest, where you can actually rest your mind as well and recover yeah. and recuperate yeah. we miss that you know we wait till we want to retire before we think oh i'm going to retire and i'm going to have that great rest then but yeah. it's actually to take it up now is so important it's like an athlete uh you know like <laughs> i shouldn't call myself an athlete but i do run every day but then i have the sabbath i don't run on sabbath and i have that day of rest and an yeah. athlete does that because it actually um the rest actually builds the muscles and improves our performances because the training breaks us down and it actually leaves us week but when we have a rest it actually builds us up again mm. ready to, to yeah. take that effort yeah. up again yeah. you know but another point of it too gary and i've looked at this very you know i heard a sermon once and it really struck me that um when we the day of rest comes round, when that commandment comes to us the fact is that um we're out there working during the week and we're, we're doing god's will we're um, administering god's will as well but the fact is that when we rest on that sabbath uh, then we, we go and we learn about Christ and then when the sunset goes down, when the sun sets on Saturday night, we then go back out and do God's will. So we learn about him and that rest, we, we study the scriptures yeah. together and it builds yeah. us up. Then we go back out to work for him. Yeah. So that yeah. so I've kind of changed my way of thinking on this that that rest is the time to spend with him to learn more about him and that in, that being with others encourages me then to go out and to start my work on that Sunday and just you know focus that on for the rest of the week yeah so yeah. that's important so there's a lot to do with this this rest aspect Indeed, and, and this is to me. This commandment is becoming more and more relevant. The um, the more years that pass pass us by, uh, I, I just I just stand in uh, aghast at uh, at some of the the breakdowns that I'm actually seeing. You know, it's you know it's a treadmill existence out there, and yet our God has turned around and said, "Hey, this is how I want you to live." We ignore the way God wants us to live. At our own peril, mm. and that's exactly what's happening. But look, let's have a yeah. uh, have a break. Let's come to uh, Graham Kendrick, meekness and majesty.
We've got a fantastic uh, a little book for you uh, today. This is just a little book of 120 or so uh, so pages. Uh, the book is uh, written by Danny Shelton. Danny is connected with 3ABN, uh, a, uh, a um, media, uh, a religious media ministry. And uh, the, com- the, uh, the book he's written is Ten Commandments Twice Removed. This is a real beauty. There are people who are raving about this, uh, this particular book. If you'd like a copy of Ten Commandments Twice Removed, Move. Just, uh, um, just, just write Ten Commandments book uh, and text uh, your name and your address uh, to our studio phone. That's o four three eight zero double six six three five. That's o four three eight zero double six six three five. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q and A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Eric Hoare, and Eric's the part-time pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh Day Adventist Church. And this week, we're looking at the relevance of the Ten Commandments for a post-biblical world. And the big question today: What is God? Command rest. We're looking at commandments three and four. Are they relevant for the day and age in which we live? Eric, now look, let's come back to this particular question because I'm, I'm really conscious there is a question that so many Christians have certainly asked me on this, uh, on this particular issue. You know, how do you respond? I mean, you've been in ministry for many years. How do you respond to someone who says uh, the commandments were done away at the cross? You know, it's almost as though the commandments are, a, are a burden. Whereas to me, this isn't something that, that, that I've, I've ever seen, but uh, certainly there are many who would say the commandments have been done away at the cross and therefore we can, can ignore them all. I mean, h- how do you relate to that? Well, the commandments are actually given for our protection. Uh, for the basis of life and um, I just take examples from the Bible for instance when Mary went to anoint Jesus' body she actually rested on the Sabbath as was the commandment and uh, went on the first day of the week so that amazes me that even 
the Savior's body lying there, Jesus' body, she wouldn't even go and anoint his body because it was the Sabbath. So she carried that part. It's a powerful example, isn't it? It is. But also, you know, Paul and others, it says in the Bible many times, as it was their custom, they went, this is well past Jesus' death, they would go to the synagogue and on the Sabbath day. So this is t- saying that it, it's, you know, it's, it's going further and further. But the big text that I use uh, for this is found in Matthew 5, 17. It says, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot nor one tittle, which is the dot and the crosses on the wording, will be no means passed from the law till all is fulfilled. So therefore he said, I did not come to destroy the law, but in other words, he kept it. Yeah. He showed how yeah. he showed yeah. the spirit of the law. Yeah. He showed how it was supposed to be kept, and 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 through his life, that was his life. Yeah. So that's telling me that no, the law still stands today. It's a it's a guideline. It was ten commandments will go right, and we actually keep the Sabbath in the in the new kingdom as well. And, and that's heaven. something that comes out, isn't it, in mm. the book of Revelation? You know, you mm. get uh, uh, the final generation. You know, here are those that keep the commandments of God mm. and have the faith of of Jesus Christ. You know, that's right. I, the thing, the passage that I really love is mm. is King David. In Psalm 19, he's actually mm. talking about the law of God. In fact, yeah. it's actually the Torah, uh, which is a whole five books. But his, the thing that interests me here isn't so much um, the, the exact law he's actually talking about, mm. but rather his attitude to law. This mm. is what he says. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous. All more to be desired are they than gold. Yes, more than much fine gold. They're sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. You know, uh, to me, David has actually got an attitude here to the to the principles that have been given to him in the law of God. And yeah, okay, he is talking about the whole Torah, the first five books of the the Bible. But to me, it's an attitude that I simply say, hey, this this um, um, body of uh, lore is actually something that I desire. It's better than gold. It's sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. And, and you know, I'm conscious that there are so many today that overlook this incredible reality. You know, mm. as I look at, um, you know, in, in the New Testament, uh, continually what I find is, you know, people who have certainly asked that question to me, you know, you know, who have said, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, the commandments have been done away with at the cross. I, I think of passages like, you know, Acts 15, as, you know, you, you've, you've mentioned here in verse 13 and on the sabbath day they went out of the city by the riverside where prayer was customarily made and we sat down there and spoke to the women who met there you find continually through the book of acts the example of the apostles and the prophets is that they're worshiping together either in the temple or in isolated places Hmm. on the sabbath day Hmm. now if the, the Sabbath has in fact been done away with, why are they using this example? Why are they continually doing this? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, what you were saying about David, he, through faith, he found the joy and love in the law that Christ wants us yeah. to have. And that is that people who say that, oh, it must be a burden and all the rest of it, they don't, they don't have, it's not part of their lives. It's not part of their nature. It's something that they think we have to be, have to do to be a Christian. But that's yeah. not, 
That's not what Christ is saying. He says this is for your protection. And when you accept Christ and you accept what he says into your your heart, it brings you joy because you are following them because you want to, because you love him, not because you have to. And that's the big difference. And that's what David's saying here, that he found it like sweeter than honey. Why? Because it kept him safe. Yeah, it kept, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, all those commandments, honor your mother and father, which you're going to talk about, all those other ones there, actually add to your life. It says you'll live longer if you honor your mother and father. You indeed, know, in the indeed, indeed. And so these are for our own good. And he found that joy yeah. in that. And, and in yeah. this fourth commandment, you've actually got a command where the Lord God, he says, hey, I want you to have a day off every week. Yeah. And somehow, some people have reinterpreted this and said, hey, it's legalistic if you do it. You know, this is a burdensome, hey, Give to me any day of the week, you know. <laughs> I wish my, you know, my God has said to me and my family and my servants and my, you know, I want you to stop. I want you to put away all the junk. I want you to commune with me. I want you to commune, commune with your family. I want you to spend time in relationship. And, you know, here we've got a God that to me is, this is a caring God. Mm. This, this is a God that, you know, how how is this misinterpreted? It's a total mystery to me, and, uh, Eric. And today, you know, public holidays, as we're looking them here, are sort of being done away with. The shopping's increasing, and there's all yeah. sorts of things. Yeah. The whole the whole week runs right through into the whole lot now, you know. Yeah. Whereas he's saying, no, have that day of rest, and that's the do- day that you'll recuperate. You'll it says actually that he blessed and sanctified it. Yeah. He put it aside as a special day of rest. Yeah, for sure. Eric, let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, we just come to you now. Lord, I want to say thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, thank you uh, for sending the Son. And Lord, thank you for this gift of rest. Lord, you're the great provider God. You're the one who's provided all things. You've even cared for our rest. Lord, I pray uh, that uh, we uh, we might indeed see the relevance uh, of your principles for the day and age in which we live. Lord, these things we ask, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary, Eric Hoare on Drive Time. Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when we look at the fifth commandment. We ask, is it reasonable to honour all parents really look forward to seeing you but until then please remember christ said i'm leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart and the peace i give isn't like the peace that the world gives so don't be troubled or afraid may our god richly bless you please come to please enjoy rumbos sheltered in the arms of god
You must.